me, y'all. It's whoa, Roy. Whoa, whoa. That's my one. Oh, you're, you're back. Chair. You're back. Hey. hey, what's going on? Hey, y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys tell us about Nidavellir and Fire and Stone. And after over a year of being caged up, the flying squirrels have been let loose. Why are there crickets and potato chip crumbs everywhere? Hello and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 262. That's 262. Fire and Rain. I'm Tony. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Is that it? Yeah, yes, James, James Taylor, Taylor, James Taylor. Okay, yeah, and this is Marty. Well, what do you what what trivia do you have about James Taylor? Anything that you can other than he's North Carolinian? So surprisingly, I'm not a huge James Taylor fan. So no, I really don't have a lot of interesting trivia. His style of music just wasn't really my style of music. Right. And I, for some odd reason, I get him confused with Neil Diamond too. I get that. I don't know why I get that because they're di- kind of different styles of music. Well, I, I guess Sweet Caroline and then he's from North Carolina, isn't he? Why did I pick this? Why did I pick this song? It's going to be because we've got songs which we'll talk about we got we got songs we got a we got a game that deals with songs got songs got a game that deals with fire we got a game that we're going to be talking about deals with ice and which can come rain when it attracts fire because you know that's what happens when ice gets warm it melts so that's where i'm going with this so james taylor was born in boston massachusetts i thought he was born in carolinas no no hold on okay hold on Hold on. But then they moved North Carolina and he lived in Chapel Hill where his uh, dad was an assistant professor of medicine at the uh, UNC School of Medicine. So we did have a little trivia. Well, I'm glad we had a little trivia. I don't know how, how much it will help me on trivia night, which, so, you know, I run trivia for the neighborhood, right? Yes. The past two trivias have been canceled in our neighborhood, not because of any outrageous disease things or anything like that, but it could have been. They found mold in the clubhouse. So they had to shut down our clubhouse and get that. See, see what good it is, what I am doing on the um, board for my neighborhood now. See how good I am on this? The the amenities, which I'm responsible for, has mold. You got nothing, do you? You don't know how to respond to that. I don't. I still don't understand why anybody takes these sort of non-paid positions and I did it at one time. I did it because they just needed somebody to fill a seat. But our neighborhood only had like 50 houses at the time and nothing ever happened. <laughs> and as soon as stuff started happening, I got out. It was time to go. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't want to be part of that, did you? I did not want to be part of that. I am I am not a drama type person. Uh, I do not like getting involved in any drama if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to. You didn't have to. That's good. Because so, we had somebody said, well, what if someone, a neighbor wants to, an amenity added to, the, to the, our neighborhood? And I said, well, they can submit a request. And they said, okay, then what? And I said, well, they can then provide a proposal. And, they, they, sure. and they're like, okay, wouldn't that require them to do some work? And I said, yes, it would. So what have I accomplished by having them do work? That's right. I've shut it down because nobody's going to do the work. I know better. They won't go out and they won't look into this stuff. See, that's how you dead end this stuff. What you better get? Yeah, you better get in good drinks while you can, big boy, because we got something coming up on taste buds. Ugh. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just finishing off some tea, looking at the drink that we're getting ready to 
partake of. I don't know about this. When when it when the cap says totally gross soda, I'm not looking forward to it, but we'll be there in a second. So I am very excited. Marty, you are going to be seeing this great country of ours. You're going to be taking a little road trip. Yes. In fact, we are recording this episode way earlier than normal uh, because I will be <laughs> driving from North Carolina to Montana in order to take my oldest son's stuff, some of his stuff back to his place. So he's flying in for uh, Southern Fried Gaming Expo, which will have already have happened, but this is being recorded before that happens, or otherwise I'd be telling you about Southern Fried Gaming Expo. So next episode, I'll come back and tell you about that. Uh, and then after that, we're going to be driving up to Montana to take his, uh, so he's a musician. So he has a lot of guitars and stuff that he wants to take back. So he needs to take back his electric, his acoustic, bass, his amp, pedals, et cetera, and everything. So renting a car, Driving cross country, we're going to be going uh, through Tennessee to St. Louis, um, up. <laughs> uh, I don't know. After Tennessee and wow. Missouri, we're going up. I know South Dakota's part of it, and then somehow we end up in Montana. Google Maps. Oh, that's all we're following. We're just following Google Maps, and we don't have any planned stops or anything like that. We're just going to go as far as fast as we can, then stop, and then get up the next day and just keep going. What I think you should do is get some, go to AAA, which for those who don't know what that is, that is a place where people would go and plan trips and they would get trip ticks. Mm -hmm. And back in the good old days when Marty and I were trip growing ticks. up. I forgot about that. You forgot about oh trip ticks? I forgot about <laughs> trip ticks. That's hilarious. So you'd go into, you'd go into AAA and you would say, I am going to plan a trip from Charlotte, North Carolina to wherever you are going in Montana. Mm -hmm. And they would pull out all the state maps for you and they would highlight your route. <laughs> yes. And they would lay them out for you and you could, these maps and you'd, you'd have your little, and then they'd circle where you should be staying and they'd find the hotels for you and they'd have the things to see and, you know, Chattanooga, things to see in St. Louis, which is miniature market, by the way, that's miniaturemarket.com where Marty should stop and visit, but I don't think he is. I don't know if I have time. I actually thought about that, stopping by Miniature Market and seeing their physical store. Or stopping and seeing the Cardinals play or the Royals. I thought about that too. Here's why we can't do that. That is the week of the All-Star game. Ah. So no games anywhere. We'd already thought about seeing a ball game somewhere. And uh, AAA teams and uh, Major League teams are off the week that we travel. So maybe there's some minor league teams along the way. Uh, if we happen to be, I know South Dakota has a few. Mm -hmm. So who knows? Maybe we could check out some of those. Yeah. So you would continue. I think you need to go get a trip tick. I I, I would love for you to walk in there and and we're going to ask for one. Yeah. Excuse, uh, a trip what? A trip what? Yeah. Sorry. We have an app. So <laughs> please go download. Do you, Sir, do you have a phone? Do you have a phone with pictures on it? Okay. Here's what you need to do. Yeah, I can see that happening right now. So what's interesting is, is that when this episode drops, this is right before I leave, but also, Tony, right before uh, we have a special guest coming into Charlotte, and lots of things have happened over the past few weeks to where uh, our good buddy, Ignacy from Portal Games, is going to be in the States. I'm going to be hanging out with him at Southern Fry Gaming Expo, and the next weekend, he's coming up to Charlotte. Originally, he was going to stay with me. Then these plans came up for me to travel across the country. And now you, sir, are going to be hosting Ignacy for a four-day weekend 
and I hate I'm going to miss it because it sounds like you have some amazing plans for this man when he shows up. Oh, I hope they come to fruition. I hope to have plenty of video for this. He will be pushing my mower. I do know that for a fact. <laughs> you don't, hey, I'm not feeding you for free. <laughs> you got to go mow the yard. <laughs> go mow that yard. I want to see him use my edger. Oh, Oh, I wish he was here. I would love to put him on my riding mower because it's a zero turn. And if you're not used to a zero, no, he would wreck it. He would. He'd run it right into something. You would need to show where the cutoff is. Because I, I know I was hoping that when he was there, I already had that planned. You and I were going to be standing in your front yard talking about a game and Ignacy was going to ride by. And we'd, and we'd, go, and we'd look at each other and go, well, what was that? And then... Turn it and then hopefully see if he could turn around and then ride back by us, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so y'all, if you don't know, if you've never driven a zero turn radius, they have those, the ones with the bars that uh, basically it's almost like a tank, Tony. It's how it works, mm -hmm. right? So you have two independent wheels and the left bar either rotates the wheel forward or backward on the left back wheel and the right does the same for the right. And you got to kind of get used to understanding, wait a minute, if I want to go forward, they both have to go forward. If I want to turn to the right, I push forward on one, pull back on the other. And it took a while to get used to, to driving one of those things. So I'd love to have put him on that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, mine's just as simple as just watching him walk and try to keep up with it. That's the big thing yeah. with the drive. Now, sir, you have been in my wallet twice. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh, twice. Twice. So, okay. so one of the big, big ones was when Miniature Market had a sale recently, and we were yes, going yes. back and forth, and you know about this already. Is I went ahead and dropped some cash on the Civil War. The um, ah, so mm -hmm. is that the GMT game? The GMT game, two player, not a single player in this thing. I mean, you could go back and forth, but what fun's that, right? So this is another one of those that's going to sit on the shelf of shame until we can get together, and we we're trying to. Uh, we uh, in fact. In our last episode, we got together to play uh, Race to Moscow. There were a couple other historical games we thought about playing. But man, some of those are just so involved and so long. So I'm curious, do you know how long Civil War is? Probably for our first one, about 10 hours. <laughs> are we going to play the whole campaign? Or are we just... No, 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 no. Just a just campaign. Just one scenario. I don't know how they... I, I'd say that. probably about two hours for two us. Hours. Okay. And then once we get the rules set down, I would say a campaign is not going to take that long. Is it based on a on a system or is it the 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 chit type thing where you, uh, you have individual chits that represent units? Or is it like a card bait? Is it a card driven system? Like I got uh, the the game uh, Caesar, uh, which is a card driven game uh, that I want us to try. But it was like a two to three hour game, so we couldn't get it in that that game day in order to play. I'm on the GMT site and I'm trying to figure out. How, I mean, coins easy. They put that in big bold letters. It's flashing at you. So I'm mm -hmm. not really sure how to know. I mean, it's a. I mean, they sold me at the map. Oh yeah, yeah. I you know what. I, you know, I should have bought one too. I wonder if that's again, one of those things we could play remotely, maybe because of the battles, it may be too much back and forth to be mm -hmm. able to play remotely, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. The civil war. Is so, so interesting, especially Tony, where we live, because it happened, you know, nearby in our States, you know, and you and I probably have ancestors that participate. I know I do. I had ancestors that participated in the civil war. I do not. You do not know, huh? I do not know. I, no, I do not. 
I do not have any. My um, my family. Oh, really? My family was not here. Mm-mm. <gasps> they came. Really? They came after. Mm-hmm. They came in the. What years do they come? Do in, you know? In the early 1900s. Uh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure Donna has researched all that. Let's just say that one side of my line uh-huh. came off of the trains. And let's just say that my great-great-grandmother, I think, met a railway man. And we'll just leave it there if you get what I mean. I really don't, but we'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah, Adam has done the one. My oldest son's done a lot of the investigation of this. And he knows he can trace it back us in either Virginia or this area going back to the late 1600s, early 1700s. So there's a good chance my ancestors also were part of the Revolutionary War. But we actually have records of my ancestors participating in the Civil War because we've seen the actual the uh, the records, the lists of our ancestors. So that's why uh, Civil War is always interesting to me because it took place right here. I'm You and I are probably just a few, well, I know you are. You're just a few miles from Kings Mountain where a battle took place there. That, by the way, that, that wasn't Civil War. That was Revolutionary War. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, I'm close to a, a, a site near me where a Civil War battle took place and stuff like that. Yeah, Kings Mountain. As soon as I said it went way, mate, Kings Mountain, I think it was Revolutionary War. Yeah, a lot. Actually, a lot of the American Revolution was fought around uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, which was a very strong Tory hold. We were, we were for the king. Well, that well, that's interesting because North Carolina's you know plates say first in freedom. I they know. were the first also to declare uh, independence. But that's the Raleigh boys, not the Charlotte boys. I thought Charlotte was one of the early ones too. Uh, I'm sure they were. I'm just telling you what they teach you at Kings Mountain when you're in uh, fourth grade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Civil War. Uh, that's always a very interesting uh, period uh, just because uh, we can see so much history just around us where we are. So I can't wait to, to play that sometime. And I believe it, it was a really good deal too, wasn't oh, it? it was 50% off. You got me, You had me at 50. If it had been 49, no. 50, yeah, you got me. <laughs> 50, that's that's good. And, so, and the other thing you've been in my wallet over our last episode where we talked about this game called Northgard. You know, did you know it was a video game? yeah oh i know it was a running joke that they got sick of y'all but yes yes uh, north uh, we just covered that last episode yeah and what's going on right now over at steam the big steam sales yes it is is north guard on sale well that's what i want to talk to you about before we get over to taste buds it is on (laughs) sale uh-huh. Of course, it's on sale. It's on Steam. So Steam, of course, puts everything on sale. It's kind of like the Coles. You know how Coles, everything's on sale? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Coles department store for those who are not sure what I was talking about there. But yes, it is on sale. And you can get the whole kit and caboodle for like, you know, all the all the clans and everything. But just the base one is like $12. Okay, yeah. So is that a good deal? I don't know. Well, doesn't it say how, what a percentage it is off? Yeah, but in the past, has it been less than? I honestly don't know because I've owned the base game for so long that I never have gone and looked and see what it was for sale since then. Okay. I'm surprised it's not a tad cheaper than that, but that that's just the base game, no expansions? That is just the base game, eleven ninety nine right now. And you can, of course, get each- What's the percentage off, just out of curiosity? The, the, the percentage off- it's 60%. Okay. 
Yeah, that's probably a good deal. Yeah, and the clans are 50% off, but there's only one clan I would want to get, and that, of course, is the clan of the squirrel. Which I don't think I've bought. How much is that one? Uh, $2.50. Then I would be purchasing the clan of the squirrel. Yeah, the rest of them, the clan of the rat, the clan of the kraken, the clan of the ox, uh, just, you know, just for the fun of it. And I'm looking at some of my friends who own this, so I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I could eventually get over on Steam. I'm sorry. Oh, but the bundle is 59% off, not 60 so you get everything for $31. Here's the thing. If you plan on getting a PC, I really, really think that you would enjoy this game. And this is a game that you could anytime say, Marty, do you want to play a co-op game of Northgard? I would be there in a heartbeat. You like RTSs, and this did break the mold for me because there's multiple paths to victory, and that's why I like it so much. But according to this, this will run on my computer that I am using right now. So I don't need a new computer because this game's old. All right, then for $12, give it a shot and see if it works. $12 plus $2.50 because I got to get the clan of the squirrel. Gotta, I've got, in fact, uh, after this recording, I'm going to go go ahead and claim the, the squirrel clan. I forgot. All right. That was out there. So that was the big thing I wanted to tell you. Thanks for getting back into my wallet. You're always in my wallet. And our b- good buddy, Bert, posted one of the funniest pictures in our Slack channel. I think he's going to post it on Discord, Discord, but I don't know if he has yet. I know, but it, I'm sure by the time this show hits, he has, where you did a picture doing that um, picture of you pointing at stuff. Like, I did that. And, oh, I did that. Yeah. And, and But his, his it says something else. Yeah. He I, made me do that? I made, or he, he made me buy it? He made me buy it. So he asked me, could you get a picture of you like pointing at something? And so I gave him the picture and then he cropped out the back and at the bottom of the caption, it says he made me buy it. And he was going to post that on discord. Cause yeah, I'm bad about that. All these I'm games. bad about that. So, and that's the other thing I got to do before Ignacy gets here. God, he'll be, I'm sure he won't listen to our podcast by the time he gets here. I really need to clean up my game closet. <laughs> he needs to tell you which ones he, you need to give me so that he wants to play. Well, it's funny. I contacted him and said, look, uh, we're going to have three days together in Atlanta for the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. What do you want me to bring? And the only thing he mentioned is, he says, I really want to play the Warcry card game starter decks that you found. I found a whole bunch of Warcry starter decks. Oh. So he wants me to bring that in the rules because he was a huge fan of that and he wants to revisit that game. Okay. All right. I saw where Team Covenant was getting ready to revisit the um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, they have been revisiting. They have been. They've okay. actually been playing through it. Yeah, for the past few months, what they've been doing is getting each expansion box, opening packs, and then building decks and playing. Man, that was a lot of time wasted. But it was good times. It, I, I don't think, to me, it was not wasted. It wasn't wasted. I enjoyed every minute of it. Matter, no. matter of fact, Donna brought that up recently. She says, you used to just play this one card game for four or five hours. So I know you enjoy playing games that long. I said, oh, no, my, t- my tastes have changed a little bit, babe. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there. I, I to, to admit, and I told you guys this the other day, I said, if I had, if any of you guys were interested in playing in any of the LCGs that I like and had a standing, you know, once a month thing, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. I still love having one game to focus on. We get to play so many different board games and it's amazing. But having that one focus game, I really like to. You know, that could be your exit strategy. What's that? Say, I want to do this LCG, so we're going to stop playing all new board games, and that's what we do every week. Then convert the podcast to just cover one game? No, that's the exit strategy of the podcast. You know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all notice how he's the one always bringing up the exit strategy? Well, okay, that's fair. That's fine. All right, I am a little parched today, so I am ready to jump over into a Taste Buds to taste some truly, totally gross soda and some 
chips that it just doesn't seem right to me what's what what's these chips are about i just it just hit me strange so or, cue the music buddy Mac Thatcher has sent us several drinks. He's the one that sent us the Mountain Dew last time. And uh, he sent us something here, Tony, called Swamp Juice. It's soda. Was it so disgusting? I get it. Soda. Disgusting. Oh, S-O-D-A-G-U-S-T-I-N-G. So disgusting and totally gross soda. Now, I wonder, I'm hoping that it really isn't gross and actually tastes good. Because it also says it's a fruity mix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, th- didn't Max send us the, the grass one? He did. So that's what I'm hoping for. It's going to smell like swamp juice or what swamp water smells like. And then uh, for a snack. So I love salty snacks. And I don't know why, but Canada is known for making a bunch of snacks with ketchup flavor. They put ketchup on everything. Yes, they, well, I put ketchup on everything. So that's why I'm excited about this because our buddy Tim, who runs Codenames Live up in Canada, sent us a whole box full of different ketchup flavored snacks. And I've got Cheetos here and Ruffles. Uh, all, oh, they, he also sent me all dressed. All dressed chips are so good. Every once in a while, you'll see all dressed chips down here. Um, so he sent several of those. Uh, oh, do you like kettle chips? Got some Miss Vicky's kettle chips. Mm-hmm. No, it's ketchup kettle flavored chip. here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sweet and spicy. Um, so, but I've got Doritos here and Cheetos, both ketchup flavored, and I love Doritos. And I'm not going to try all these because I don't want to open all the bags and they go stale. So I want to enjoy them individually. I'm very interested in, like, I'm torn between Doritos and Cheetos. I don't know which one to try. It was just while well, you're deciding what I, what I was able to get from the basket of goodies that Tim sent was Marty handed me over the Lay's ketchup, the Ridges extra ketchup, and then what he just mentioned, the Lay's all dressed. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to try the Lay's ketchup. And it, what, what I was saying at the beginning of this was what doesn't fathom is ketchup on potato chips? That just doesn't make any sense. And then I'm starting to think about it. What are french fries? Hold on. Hold on. Okay. This may have to be a poll. I've always put ketchup on potato chips. I've never put ketchup on potato chips. Whenever I eat potato chips, I take ketchup and make a, a, a thing of ketchup, a puddle of ketchup on the plate, and I dip the chip in the ketchup and eat it. I've always done that. No, that's for French fries. What is a French fry? Just like you said, <laughs> I know. it's a fried potato. Why, why am I missing it? Why did it? Str- I mean, I'm just in this. This doesn't sound right. And then I'm like, wait a minute. The only difference is French fries are very warm and salty. Wait a minute. Potato chips, stick them underneath my arm. They're very warm and salty. Okay. And a little soggy, possibly at that point. Uh, hopefully the wrapper's better than that. So, yes. <laughs> In fact, growing up, I used to eat a potato chip sandwich where I would take a hamburger yeah. bun, mm-hmm. steam it, put potato chips on it and ketchup, smash it, and then eat it. I have heard of that. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yes, ketchup on potato chips, 100%. I still do it to this day. Still do it. So I'm excited about this. Uh, so I've had the chips before. So I'm still torn between Cheetos and Doritos. I think I'm going to go Cheetos. I'm going to go Cheetos because I think... I just don't know how this is going to be. Well, if you go Cheetos, I'm glad we're not playing any board games. Uh, that's true. That's true. Now, do you want to try the snack first or do you want to try the drink? Well, I want to kill the drink taste. So I'm going to have the drink first and go with the okay. chips. All right. So I do have a bottle open here. I don't know if it's a twist off. I got my bottle opener. Is it? It's a twist. Oh, it's Never a twist. Mind. Never mind. It's a twist. All right. Let's get a smell of this bad boy. Oh, this is not going to be bad at this, all. This is not going to be disgusting. This is y'all. good. In fact, we don't need to. Oh man! It smells like a fruity. It's going to be sugary. I smell. It smells very sugary. Oh man, this is going. Yeah, this is uh, the old uh, sugar content. By the way, how did the doctor's visit go? Everything turned out okay. Uh, so uh, everything's cool. Uh, no problems. Good. Uh, Thank you for doing the cholesterol, that. The cholesterol was a little elevated. He said. Um, he says no big deal. He said you're very low risk. Still, for everything, he said, but you might just want to consider the Mediterranean diet. I don't eat a lot of red meat, so I'm very confused. It's like, wait a minute, I already don't eat a lot of red meat as it is, so it's it's weird. But that was the only thing that was kind of out was the my uh, overall class. I mean, the the whichever the higher number was the one that was elevated. Mm-hmm. The lower number was really really good. Uh, that one was like in the 70 something. So that one was excellent. It's the other one that was. Yeah, I understand. Okay. I'm with you now. The Mediterranean, we just got a Mediterranean cookbook and I was going to, I'm going to dive headfirst into that, which is a lot of tomatoes. I got bought some fennel things like that. And mm. I was looking for orzo at the grocery store. Could not find it. That's a, the little thin pastas. Nowhere. Okay. Yeah. It's not couscous or quinoa. It's little, little football shaped pastas. Interesting. It's so funny that, you know, uh, uh, Mediterranean includes a lot of nuts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but Weight Watchers hated nuts. Oh, yeah. Because they're high in calorie. And All right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you ready to try this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. Here we go. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, baby. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mac, thank Mac. you. Swamp juice is not disgusting. That's just a slogan they put on the bottle. I, what does this taste like to you? Um, Grape soda. Oh, it's not like knee high, knee high grape, but it is a grape. So it, it put this with a grape pop tart. Oh, baby. Mm. Oh yeah. This is, oh yeah. Mm. 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 It does remind me of kind of a, a grapes, a knee high or what's the other one? What's the other uh, popular grape Fanta. Soda bottle? That we used? Fanta. Fanta. Was it Fanta? Yeah. Okay. Uh, knee high Fanta. I'm trying to remember what else. Oh, crush. Orange. Uh, yeah. Grape, grape crush. crush oh, orange yeah. crush. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's jump in some Lay's ketchup mm. potato. That's good. Oh my gosh, that's good. Mm. Whew, swamp gas, y'all. Swamp, swamp juice. juice. Not gas. Like y'all ever find swamp juice anywhere? I recommend that. That's 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 a good <laughs> drink right there. Or swamp gas. There's a new brand for you. Swamp gas. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it smells like All methane. Right. Popping open the Cheetos here. Here we go. Have you ever squeezed the bag and it came out the bottom? I have. Yeah, that's always not smart. Yeah, Don't do not that. Good. Well, it smells like ketchup. Oh, my. It does. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right. Haven't- here we go. I'm going to try the, uh, here it says, Cheetos flavored ketchup and has something in French. Leaves fullest. Woo. 
Oh, pucker. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Pucker? Why would it pucker? That is, oh, man, that is sweet. What? That's odd. Why would it be sweet, though? It's ketchup. Ketchup tastes very sweet to me. I don't use a lot of ketchup. Mm. I don't put ketchup. Actually, I really, I've stopped eating ketchup on French fries. Why? It just, it's overly sweet. I don't want, I don't want that taste. The sugar taste. I just, mm, it's strange. Matter of fact, if I do anything, I, I do barbecue sauce now. Okay. So, And that's not sweet. It's Chick-fil-A barbecue sauce. That's not real barbecue sauce. Ah, uh, that's fair. Oh, get, you know, isn't it cool that you can now buy the Chick-fil-A sauce in bottles at the grocery store? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good stuff. <laughs> Y'all are just eating. All right. I know this is kind of a boring taste, but because <laughs> it's like, oh, everything you tried, you like. So the Cheeto, the ketchup flavored Cheetos aren't strong ketchup flavor at all. It's got a good, just just a hint of ketchup. It's got some but ketchup. I love Cheetos. I do Question too. for you, Tony. Cheetos, puffed or uh, the fried or the baked or whatever they're called, the crispy. Am I ranking them or because I love them both? Which one do you like better? Um, I prefer the puff. I prefer the puffed also. Good mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. You know what I love too is the Oots cheese balls, that big old tub of cheese balls. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. Well, we appreciate everybody hanging with us on this taste, bud, because <laughs> it is boring. <laughs> that was pretty boring, y'all. Again, thank you so much to Tim and Mac. <sighs> Good stuff. Um, we got to get some. We still got to plan our eating the, uh, the Beatles and stuff like that. We got uh, uh, next episode, BJ. BJ sent us some um, popcorn snacks, Tony, uh, that was uh, crawfish flavored and uh, the, uh, what was the other one? A king cake. King King cake, cake, which is big down in New Orleans. So I'll get you those and maybe next Taste Buds we can try that. And uh, sorry, y'all, these uh, these weren't disgusting. Uh, They were good. Again, thanks to uh, Mac and Tim for sending. Yeah, so we need to, I need to sing something or you need to sing something for Grish need to give us some outro music to this. Tony, you know what I love about Ultra Pro? I love that each month they feature a color. Now, back in June, uh, we featured yellow and we had a good laugh because our buddy Mark refuses to play the yellow character and so we have this ongoing joke with him to where if he shows up to game night later than what he's supposed to he automatically gets yellow ultra pro heard our commercial spot thought it was hilarious and sent us a box specifically for mark and it was full of nothing but yellow products yellow card sleeves yellow binders and yellow deck boxes he's gonna love it he is actually i'm gonna force him to use them that was June's color. The color for July is sky blue. Once again, they've got amazing products and all these base colors. They've got the small binders, the large binders, deck boxes, both the uh, the nice tower boxes the, um, that my son loves. My son, uh, Travis, said the Ultra Pro uh, big deck boxes are some of the best he's ever had. He loves those things. Uh, you have the, the soft case deck boxes. You've got dice, uh, just so many different, and, and the card sleeves, all sky blue, and that is the color for the uh, month of of July. It's just, I just, I don't know, I like the color of the month thing. I just think it's really cool. I almost wish they had like a color of the month subscription. There you go. Where you could like pay, and each month you get like the uh, card sleeves or something for the color of the month. Or the dice colors or something like blue. Yeah. Blue. Everybody sees it. Blue. 
<laughs> I mean, think, think about it. You're going to be putting that on the table. For those who don't know, that's a commercial, you know. Oh. So uh, along with all that, they, of course, have anything you could use for your collectible games, your comics. So one thing that you may not know is uh-huh. that Ultra Pro started making tablet covers for hospitals to use during COVID. Look at them. Give them back to the community. Oh, wow. So that's cool. So they, they've uh, switched over and started making using their, their uh, factory mm-hmm. to create tablet covers for them. Oh, okay. Because they'd be sterile and everything be, like that. Well, you could also have a bunch of sleeves. Or just remove them. Just remove yeah. them. Because back then, we didn't understand you know, how the thing spread, yada, yada, yada. So there you go. They were like, okay, this is protective devices. And you know, because you didn't want to be spraying them down with the Lysol. That's all electronic. That would not be a smart thing to do. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. That's a cool thing for Ultra Pro to do. Yeah, especially with all the different stuff that they make. I mean, I, I'm just still so blown away by the, the breadth of their product. If y'all haven't ever checked it out, just head over to ultrapro.com. Look at their entire line of products. Go check out the new sky blue colors. They're out there helping the community. And don't forget, when you order from the Ultra Pro site, you can get 5% off if you enter in code RDTN over at ultrapro.com. Hey, one thing I totally forgot to mention, Ultra Pro has invited us to come by on Saturday at Gen Con from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at their booth to hang out. We're going to be playing some games, doing some giveaways. We might have some moon pie. So if you're at Gen Con, head over to the Ultra Pro booth Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Flying Squirrels, two-minute discussions on topics that have our attention. For now. Now here's something we hope you'll really like. We are resurrecting some dead squirrels here. Zombie squirrels are on the show. Flying zombie squirrels have come back to the show. We haven't, Marty, I didn't look it up. But it's probably been two or three years since we did a Flying Squirrels segment because we don't know how to control ourselves because the whole premise of the Flying Squirrels segment was we had two minutes to talk about something and then we moved on. Something that I wish we would reinstitute on everything. Reviews, outros, intros. The show could be, you know, maybe 10 minutes. Our last Flying Squirrels is February 9th, 2021. So not two years. Nope. Feels like two years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's what happens when you get old. So yeah, that was our last uh, flying squirrel. Yeah, we used to love doing this segment. We have had, uh, I don't know, it's one of those things, Tony, we just kind of forget that segment exists and we kind of got a, it's like, oh yeah, we forgot about that. So that's right. Just two minutes, talk about uh, any subject that we want. And it's just open uh, for whatever we want. They would just try to limit us to just down to two minutes. And uh, Tony, are you ready to kick us off? Yeah. And don't you play some like special sound or something in between them? Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, when the two minutes is over, you hear this sound. And we'll move on to the next topic. So, Marty, I needed to complete my Muppet Mini Lego collection. So I was hoping Walmart would get some more in recently. And I went back to the toy section to where all my Legos were, where I had been getting them earlier, and where I could feel the packs and figure out which ones were which. And lo and behold, there were these big plexiglass gates in front of all the Legos. Have you seen this yet? What? No. 
Are you serious? You haven't seen this. Yes. In 2020, Walmart started to install these things in front of the Legos so people could not walk off with them. In 2020, they started doing this? Yes. And there's, you know. Oh. Right. So, I mean, they started doing it. They finally made it to our store here in Charlotte. And I was like, what the heck is this? How can I go and fill packages? Uh, so I started feeling offended. I was thinking that it was because I was the one. They were like that oh, old, was. oh yeah, that creepy old man. Mm-hmm. Was over there filling our packages <laughs> <laughs> to try to get the right Legos. <laughs> so I was like, okay, what is all this about? And sure enough, it is because there was a lot of theft in them. There was a lot of people coming in and, and actually pulling the kits out and just leaving the boxes on the mm. shelf. So now when you want a Lego, you need to go find the clerk. They need to bring over the key. They unlock the case. It's, it's like going to the electronics store. They close the case, they carry the Lego, and take you to the checkout. So even just those little five, six dollar bag of Legos, it's the same way. She's locked up, baby. You can't get to them. Unbelievable. Could you imagine if I needed to do the Muppet Minis? If they were still there, I'd call the Lego guy over and say, "Hey, come here. Open this case up." And then you see, you could you see his face as I start filling these packages? It would not work well. Tony, we got an exciting announcement. Uh, years ago, gosh, dude, it's been probably about 10 or nine, nine or 10 years ago at Origins. We yes. got to see this really cool miniatures game from Catalyst Games Lab called Leviathans. And we talked about this game on the show. We thought it was an amazing miniatures game where uh, basically it's like alternate history, like early 1900s. You have these floating airships that are doing like naval battle in the air. But what was so cool about it was the dice combat system. Everything was uh, basically D12s, but you had D12s that represented uh, different things like D4s, D6s, and and D12s. And you had ships that had different guns on the front, the back, the sides, and everything. And the the combat system was so elegant, and we were going to get so into it. However, Catalyst Game Labs ran into some issues with production, and it never really got off the ground. They, They were hard to find. And they just kind of pulled the product. And for years, they have been working to try to bring this product back. Well, Tony, uh, they just announced that coming in August, they're going to have a Kickstarter relaunching Leviathans called The Great War. And I'm so excited. I am too, because one of the things that I really thought was incredible about this game was the fact that you had to factor in the various positions, flanking, the height. You could add in storms. You had missions. All this stuff was there. Matter of fact, when they shut this down, they put their rule book and their missions all online. I hope I still have that. I downloaded it. So I'm I'm excited for this. I'm kind of curious what the price points are going to be on this. It might be one of those follow backs. You know, get, get that dollar in there and then see what happens later. But I am very excited for Leviathans. I, I, I like these kind of games. I do too. And these are pre-painted, so you just be able to play right out of the box. Again, y'all, the combat system was one of the best I've ever seen. I know you know about this, but I completely, I was probably, you know, sleeping under a rock or something. But I did not know Christian Peterson had started up the company Ghost Galaxy, or if I had, I had forgotten it. You probably knew this, didn't you? No, I knew he had gone and started a company, but he's also started a, a publishing company called Ghost Galaxy. 
I didn't know that until this announcement that you're getting ready to say was why. So like I just said, ghost galaxy, and they have gotten the right to key forge, which mm-hmm. came out in 2019. Was it? We were at that Gen Con for that big announcement. I remember that we yep. got to play it. Everybody was gaga about how the decks were different, so forth and so on. And then suddenly for me, it, the game was over. I didn't really get behind it at all, but I was reading that they have gotten those rights. They've figured out some of the, the issues that they had with it, with the software and things like that, and they're going to relaunch it. Mm-hmm. How hard is it to relaunch a ghost ship? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's funny. Ghost Galaxy, ghost ship. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's interesting. Yeah, they had a lot of problems with their software algorithms, or I, I'm not exactly sure what the issues were, but supposedly they fixed it. Richard Garfield's also part of this too. Uh, I just, I wonder if that ship has sailed though. Locally here, it was a huge game. People were buying it, loving it, but then people kind of got tired of buying these new decks and adding them to the collection. And a lot of the appeal to us was being able to modify the decks and we couldn't do it. So do you think this relaunch will we invigorate it or will be like, hey, we're all excited about it, and then it kind of dies off again? I think it will help wherever it's still strong in the community. You still see it going around, but I don't know. I think it's going to be an uphill battle for them to get this back in the stores, back in, because you know it has been a few years since this came out. Yeah, and then for many years, we saw a lot of decks just sitting on the shelves in our game store, and they weren't moving at all. Tony, probably the euro game that kind of got us into heavier games man probably over 10 years ago was puerto rico uh that was a game that you myself and two other friends got together and played a lot like every time we hit they were over at our house they were always asking can we play puerto rico played the mess out of that game and i went back and checked tony we never officially did a review of that game on the show because when we started the show, we'd all been playing it for years, and we just never went back and, and really talked about it. Well, that game is actually really hard to find. Uh, there's a lot of issues with the theme and everything not being historically accurate and everything. And so it's kind of been put to the side until recently when it was announced that Ravensburger is going to be bringing the game back out. And it's called Puerto Rico 1897. So what they've done is updated the timeline to a time when the Puerto Ricans were running the fields and the factories and everything like that. And supposedly, Tony, that the game is going to be 100% the same. All the rules are supposed to be the same. It's just that they've updated the timeline and changed the theme a little bit. I'm excited about it as long as they don't change any of the rules. I agree with you. Start messing with the rules. Start messing with those mechanics. Start messing with the choices, with the various, with the, the captain and how all that worked and picking, getting the choices how you develop. Now, there were some things that they needed to fix. I mean, there were certain strategies that you could employ and always win. Some people have yeah. broke the game, but I'm with you. Don't mess with what works. In fact, we actually talked to them about bringing it back. And I said, just, just wipe the theme. It could be anything, right? It could be sci-fi. It could be space. It doesn't matter the theme. It was the mechanics that we loved because even during that time, we were like, once we started pushing the cubes around, it wouldn't have mattered what theme it is. We just enjoyed the play of the game. Now, if they do introduce new rules, I hope they at least include the original rules in the game. So if you wanted to play it that way, you could, and maybe there would be some variants. So yeah, that's supposed to be coming out later this fall. So I'm really looking forward to it. Puerto Rico, 1897, and we'll for sure review it on the show at that time. All right, this is the two-minute mini rant. Not so much a rant, but I'm that's it. I'm done. I'm done with having to do Vikings. I'm done with nature. Put me back in space. Wait a minute. I looked on my board shelf. There's tons of space games I've got. I don't know where to go, Marty. What's next? What? Just 
give me a bunch of okay, like you just said recently with Puerto Rico. Just give me a bunch of cubes to push around with great mechanics. I don't know anymore. But I guess I I mean, wingspan, great game. We got more birds coming out. Uh we we've talked about North Garden. We're going to be talking about another Viking game. And then we had all the Raiders of. And I'm just like, okay. Was there any other period in history that we could explore? Is there any other things? Like maybe we could do exploding volcanoes. Oh, wait, Fireball Island. Never mind. <laughs> okay. You, you pull a theme and there's one game, Fireball Island. I'm sure that, well, there's Pompeii. Well, I, uh, yeah, that's true. But I mean, how many Pompeii games do you know? Not a lot. No, I, I'm kind of there with you. And I've said this before. I'm tired of nature games. Like they have no appeal to me anymore. And I understand that the appeal is a broad nature, right? <laughs> broad nature. Uh-huh. Uh, the appeal is broad to a lot, uh, a broad audience because it's something everybody can relate to. Oh, plants, birds, trees, etc. It's not off-putting at all. It's like, okay, so, uh, people may not like Vikings, but nature and everything, they understand that. But it's like, to me, it just gets samey after a while. It's like another nature game. So the theme is very samey to me, even though the game may the game mechanics may be totally different and unique. Right, and, and for me, I love the Viking, love the Viking era. I mean, I just finished watching um, Northman, and, and I'm like, okay, maybe that's what sent me over the edge for this third thing. Okay, I'm tired of the hacking and the slashing and uh, the raiding and all that, but yet, and and I also just. Cr- Completed AC Valhalla. So what can I say? Maybe maybe that was the triggering point for me, but enough. Back in 2016, a game came out called Clank from Direwolf Digital. And uh, we love this game because it was a really interesting game that involved deck building and the noise mechanic and everything. And, and it was so popular that they came out with expansion after expansion and space version and Clank Legacy, blah, blah, to the point to where it's like, as they came out, I got less interested because it's like, ah, eh, I got the base clank and a couple expansions. That's all I need. Well, they just announced a new version, Tony, that I'm actually kind of interested in. And that's Clank Catacombs, where it's a tile lane game where you're actually like exploring a dungeon. And to me, that may be enough to bring me back into this franchise again. And see, when you said Catacombs, after we just talked about nature, I was thinking maybe it was a beehive. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it is actually basically you're going into a cave and the tiles are face down. We haven't really seen how it works, but I assume as you explore, the tiles will flip over and everything. So that means every time you play the game, it could be totally different. And to me, that's enough to probably bring me back in to try this again, because I love the idea of doing a dungeon run and a dungeon you've never been into in it and exploring the dungeon. Right. And having that sound, you know, hearing the funk of the water or something along those lines, where's the noise? How's that going to get you? How are you going to have to race out of there? Oh, did you get lost in the cave? Were you spelunking and you fell down a cavernous pit and you'll never come back again and you die a painful death? Yeah, I'm excited for this too. BGG says you play only using the you can play using the all-new dungeon deck, but you can include cards from the previous deck, which is really cool. And it says that there are prisoners counting on you to set them free. So I guess you're trying to find prisoners to free them. Ghost once disturbed may haunt you to the death. Uh, but despite all that, it's time to leave the board behind with Clank Catacombs, a standalone deck building game. So again, I love deck building games with unique uh, mechanics, and this is going to be no different. I can't wait to try Catacombs. Is it 
PortalGamesUS.com will take you over to PortalGames.pl slash EN slash. But when you get there, you will, you will see all the incredible games that Portal has. We've talked about them time and time again. I am so excited to see him. Matter of fact, Marty, not only is he going to be pushing my lawnmower, I am going to make him sit down and record his own commercials till the end of the year. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If he's recording them themselves, then why would he have to sponsor us? That was a bad idea. We're not doing that. <laughs> so hopefully when Inasi gets here, he talked a little bit about um, maybe getting some stronghold on the table. Maybe he and I will set up a game and he'll teach me so I can teach you. Okay. Do you have a copy of Stronghold? I have both that and Undead. Mm-hmm. Okay, I sure perfect. do. And then let's not forget about some of the other games. We always talk about Robinson, Detective, Batman, Everybody Lies. But don't forget about one of our favorites from last year, Dreadful Circus. Oh, yeah, that was really good. One of Marty's favorite I Got My Butt Kick games, Preda Porter. And then the games that we've always enjoyed, Imperial Settlers, uh, Imperial... Empires of the North. Empires of the North, or on his site, if you can't, you won't find it as Empires of the North, you'll find E-O-T-N, so be sure to check that out. And then, of course, if you're traveling for vacations this year, be sure to check all the apps for your Android, iOS, you have Imperial Settlers rolling right, which I have on mine, Tides of Time, Nirishima Hex 3.0, all those are out there for you to download and play. So if you're sitting there driving across the country from Charlotte to Montana and someone else has got the wheel, be sure to download it to your favorite tablet so that you can be getting some ties of time or Empire Settlers and get better at it. That's PortalGamesUS.com. Look, y'all, we don't always get to the hot games when they come out. Sometimes we miss them. And Tony, this is one that we actually missed. Uh, When it came out, there was a lot of buzz about it, but we just never got a chance to play it until recently. And that is Nidavalir from... Crap. (laughs) Hashit. (laughs) Every time I have to really think about it. Um, You know what you need to do? What's that? when When we see Danny... We're just going to take a recorder on our phone. And we're going to say, Danny, say the company. And that's what we ought to do. So at Gen Con, we're going to get a, a microphone and we're going to record Danny, the uh, marketing person from there, to say Hachette, Hachette or Hachit oh. uh, games. Anyway, they provided this to us. And one reason we wanted to try it is because also a new expansion uh, recently came out that we got to try too. Now, Tony, I don't, how many times have I played this game? Several times now, this is one of those that when I first read the rules, I like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? There's cards in the middle of the table. There's three areas of cards. We've got these tokens that are given to us at the beginning of the game and their values zero, two, three, four, and five. I'm going to put a token down for each section of cards that I would want to possibly draft from. And then we're going to reveal the person with the highest bid gets to draft a card and you put it in your tableau. That's really the entire game. And I thought, I don't get the big deal, but I loved it. I'm going to be collecting cards. I'm going to be trying to score a lot of points at the end. Most points wins. Wow. Okay. But yeah, it's, there's that. Why? Why? I don't understand. <laughs> why we like to say, I don't know, but I just enjoyed myself as we were playing the game every time. Maybe it's because 
Maybe what's really interesting is, is you have these whole other sets of values of coins off to the side. Mm-hmm. That you I was getting ready to go the there. Getting ready to go so there. So one, one of the tokens that you have is a zero token. And when you make that as one of your bids, uh, you always have five tokens that you own. That means two of them aren't used. When you use the zero token to make a bid, you can trade in the other two. What you do is you sum the other two coins together and get that coin from the supply and return the highest coin of the two that you sum together and you remove it from the game or or back to the supply if that's where it came from. So you still have five remaining uh, coins. But what happens over time is the values of your coins continue to increase over time which gives you a lot more granularity in how you bid in order to try to get the cards that you need to build the strongest tableau of set collection, basically is what it is, to score the highest points. And sometimes if you score a certain way, those high coins or a coin can be used as part of the scoring. So that's important. Well, there are always uh, points at the end. Oh, that's right. Sum your coins at the end. So it's this idea of trading in your coins, getting higher value coins to help strengthen that when you bid. But then there's so much more to that because these cards that you're drafting are basically different types of cards. There's a warrior card, a hunter card, a miner card, blacksmith, and explorer. So there's five different classes and as you collect those cards, each of them score differently. One of them is really straightforward. You just add their powers together, and that's how many points you're going to get for that one. One is uh, you're going to square it. You're going to take the number of cards you have and square it. One of it's kind of like a factorial, uh, where you're going to count the number of ranks that you have of that type, and you get to add one additional like plus three, then plus four, and then plus five as you add each additional card. So they all score differently. What did you like? Number one, I typically like bidding games. Okay. I typically like blind bidding games. I thought the tiebreaker was unique Mm. to where if I tied with somebody else, each of us started the game with a random ranking. So for three players, one of us had a three token, one of us had a four, one of us had a five. If I had the five and Tony, you and I tied, I had the higher ranking, so I would break the tie, but then we would swap. So I would give you my five rank and you give me whatever you have. So you would move to, as you lost ties, you would move to the top of the priority list for breaking ties. I really like that. I like that mechanism. That was a solid mechanism. One that I didn't know how much, how important it was, but oh yeah, that was key to a lot of it. Cause maybe, maybe I don't mind not winning. Cause when the cards came out on the table, Maybe I'm not building that row. Maybe I'm not building that rank right then. And I saw various colors there that I didn't need. I could play mm-hmm. low and I didn't want to tie you, but oh my heavens, if we did tie, then all of a sudden I lost my rank. There, there's a little deepness here. Yeah, 100%. 100%. One cool thing too is, is that once you get a complete a row of each class or a row of five different classes, you get to draft a hero. And those are super powerful cards or special. There may be uh, one that uh, has a real high value that you can put into play. Uh, there's one like minor card that has a rank of three different ranks on it to really increase increase the ranks. Because uh, a card may, uh, one card by itself might be one rank, but some of these special cards had multiple ranks. And that's what you're actually counting is the ranks on the cards and not necessarily the physical cards themselves. So grabbing hero cards were important. And then that's part of the bidding process. This made, man, 
the second row right here of cards. And, and the number of cards that are dealt per area that you're going to bid on is based on the number of players. So, okay, here's three cards right here. I need that color right there. For example, maybe I'm this one row is missing a warrior. I need that warrior, so I'm going to bid high to get that warrior to complete this row so I can draft that hero over there to help kind of build my scoring engine. Another thing I enjoyed about this was how fast it played. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, the longest part of this game was us putting out cards. Yeah. I know. I mean, it was just like, here comes, here's a bunch of, okay, now we strategize, get our bids ready to go. And then once we're done, okay, did I complete this? Did I complete that row? Then, yep, here comes a hero. Give me that one. Oh, by the way, I go before you. Man, I really wish, you know, you didn't take this. Oh, I need to stop Bert from taking a certain hero because he's going to get max points if I don't do that. You got to be very defensive in this game. Some of your drafting, it may not benefit you, but I want to keep Marty from having to do that because at the end of age one, we have to then figure out who is the king of the kings in the various classes. Who has the highest rank of each class? Mm-hmm. And then you're awarded a distinction card, which could also give you bonuses. Like one of the distinction cards was it lets you break ties always. Mm-hmm. You got a number six. And you never and you never lose that rank. Right. Or better yet, you replace your zero token with a three that allows you to swap out the coins. So when you think other people are putting their zeros to swap out coins, you kind of play that then and you're like, hey, I beat y'all zero. I get to still go first and still swap out the coins. Yeah. So the distinction is important at the end. So you need to be watching that as well. And then at the end of age two, well, you just count up the score. Yeah. And it's really that straightforward. And I know it sounds so simple, but as you're playing the game and you're trying to decide, you know, I can't focus on every class. I'm going to instead focus on this class here. And there's a hero over there that if I get that hero, it helps me score in this class. And there's hate drafting, Tony. Always. Oh, there's hate drafting because if I look over at Tony and go, oh, look, Tony needs a warrior. There's only one warrior here and I outbid him. I don't really need it, but I'm going to take it from him so he doesn't complete that row and take a hero. That's fine. Go on with your bad self. Well, I'm just saying that exists too. So there is player interaction of drafting and purposely taking cards that might benefit others. Now, with the expansion, they added a camp. And in this camp, you got some magical artifacts. Yeah. And you're like, okay, what do they do? Well, they let you do multiple things. Like one of them gives you the ability to go visit the camp if no one else does. Yeah, because the person who wins the bid at each section that you're bidding on, which again, there's only three. If you win the bid, you have the option to go to the camp instead and take one of those cards. And that is the only person that can go. Unless Tony, like you said, you take the artifact, which lets you go there if somebody else didn't do it before you. Yeah. And there's ones that allow you to, I think there was one where you you got to do it, where it was like doubling up. Some, there, there's just a lot of them. We were constantly checking the book. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, wait, that's even a better one. Oh, how about that? That one's good too. So I really want to go to the camp here. It just added another level of yeah. the cards. That's really all it's doing. And when you draft from the camp, you don't draft from the regular right. row that you typically get from, and you just discard that extra card that's used. The uh, the expansion called Thing Valir also includes new heroes that can be taken once you complete a row, and it includes mercenaries, which were super powerful. So mercenaries could be one of two different classes. And when you drafted them, you put them off to the side. Then after you finished age one or age two, if you had any mercenaries put off the side, you could pick 
which class do you want them to be, which gave you a little bit of flexibility at the end of the age to decide which one you want to apply in order to get the best score. So I will say this. I played this game with two people. Yeah. Boring. Ah, okay. There wasn't a lot to it. Because just two people bidding is not that fun. Two people bidding, just grabbing car. Uh, yeah, it just wasn't. From Now, once again, as we always talk about, this is just our you know, perceptions, how, how we feel about it. It just didn't feel like the angst was there. Like uh, the other people I'm bidding against in a three-person, four-person game, it's going to be like, oh, okay, who's going to take what? Is somebody else needing the card? In a two-player, it wasn't that bad. I never felt like I was going to be in trouble or could not achieve my goal. So we played three-player. Even just going up to three-player, you felt it was a lot better? Oh, yeah, easily. Because, once again, I need. I had two more people I had to worry about the bid versus just one person. I, mm-hmm. I never, hey, I lost to you, so what? So this game plays up to five-player. And to be honest with you, I think if you move up to five-player, I mean, the suggested playtime is 45 minutes, which is probably right. Mm-hmm. Three-player, we easily did that. Five-player probably wouldn't add that much time nope. because it's it's simultaneously, you're all putting down your bids at the same time. You all reveal at the same time. And then you just you just draft the cards and put them in your tableau and go on to the next one. Yeah, as long as someone doesn't take the one you wanted, and then you may have to have a little AP. Sure. So two doesn't work at all. For me. Three's really... Yeah, no. Two doesn't work at all for you. I thought three was fine. I would love to have played four. I think four would even create more tension. Yes. At that point. Um, but then it does play up to five. So Thing Valir adds this whole other concept of new cards that could be drafted, such as magical artifacts and these mercenaries plus the new heroes. And it's one of those things, Tony, that if I was to sit down and play with somebody for the first time, I probably wouldn't include the expansion. I think there's enough there with the base game that you don't need it. Uh, but once you play a couple times, I would probably throw in the expansion just to add a little bit of flexibility because there are a lot of heroes. And when there's so many heroes, you've mm-hmm. got to keep referencing, what does that one do? What does that one do? What does that one do? I agree. I think even though I was saying, yeah, but the artifacts were just so cool and they added a different element to the game. But yeah, with the heroes, I could that will slow you down. Now, you could just say, well, we're not going to include the new heroes. Use the base game heroes and instead include the camp deck, which is just artifacts and mercenaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, totally surprised. This game, everybody I talked to has loved this game. We're just now getting to it. I totally understand. There's another expansion coming out, Tony. Mm. I don't know if you know about this. Nope. It's called Idavol, I-D-A-V-O-O-L. It's the second expansion. And here's what it says off BGG. During the first three rounds of the age one, there's a second tavern that offers mythical animals, Azir, Valkyries, and Giants. Which just and which adds an additional round to the game, huh? Hmm. Plus, each new type of card will also uh, provide never seen effects. So, there's different types of more more cards that are coming in. So, uh, for sure, when that comes out, we'll want to get that just to see what it adds to the game. And maybe one of those things is like, do we need both expansions in there? Or do we just have this one? So, yeah, Nidavellir from Sergey Leggett. For something as so simple as place a bid, draft a card, put it in your into play, it is really, really good. I'm still blown away, Tony, by all the different specials 
and sales that miniature market has just out of the blue. I don't know if you saw uh, a couple weeks ago over July 4th weekend. They have this clearance sale, this clearance section, right? Yep. They just up and said, you know what? Just take an extra 40% off all of our clearance stuff. It's like, look, we just need to get it out of the warehouse, y'all. It's on clearance. Use this code. Get an extra 40% off. But you know what? You wouldn't have known about it if you didn't go out to their site or didn't sign up for their newsletter or follow them on our Twitter or on Instagram. So here's what you need to do. Make sure to follow them on Twitter, follow them on Instagram, sign up for the newsletter, or if not, just go out to their site every day or so. Thing is though, Tony, if you're late, if you don't, if you aren't checking in the day a sale starts, you may miss all the good stuff because it sells out quick. That's right, because everybody gets posted over at BGG, the miniature market's got to sell, and then all the emails go out. You're absolutely right. You better hurry up over there. So head over to miniaturemarket.com. So sometimes at Rolling Dice and Taking Names, we get some games that are light on the table. You, what do you mean? Do you mean like uh, 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 weight-wise? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it doesn't take a very strong table hold of That's up. right. It doesn't. It's, there's not that much weight to it. I mean, it's not, it's not <laughs> Gloomhaven-ish. Or maybe it just plays fairly light. Oh, okay. You mean like strategy-wise? Strat- it's yeah. easy rules. And, okay, and, yeah, and stuff sure, like sure. that. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, no. So the game we're getting ready to talk about, Fire and Stone from Pegasus Spiel, designed by Klaus Jürgen Rede or Verde. I, I, it's, I, I, it's a, the W is usually pronounced with a V. And when I listened to it on Google, they went Rede, which I don't understand. Anyway, I don't know if you know this name, Marty, what his, what his pedigree is. Whoa, I just clicked on it. <laughs> Holy cow. You read the list, dude. Well, I didn't realize this. He has a few games under his belt, right? One is, like I just said, Carcassonne. Interesting. I've heard of wow. that. Wow. The Downfall of Pompeii. The Ark of the Covenant. Mesopotamia. Rapa Nui, which we played in love. Yeah, we did. Bali. I don't know if I've played Bali. I don't think I've played Bali either. So yeah, uh, a, a very a very popular uh, designer, especially with Cheesh Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. And he has Fire and Stone here his next game and this game um let's see how, how do i say this it's light how's that does that work well you keep saying that i, I do i do I keep going I, back i know i think you've established it's light okay you're an explorer you're a caveman and you have to go out and find settlements you need to be able to send your clan your tribe out let them explore and you are exploring the world the earth and as you move and progress, you may encounter a forest where there are wild beasts who you can lay, who you can capture and later cook on the fire and make bags. Unless you're Marty, he, he, his animals did. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk about, about that, that a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Or you might gather up some shrooms or some nuts or some apples, or your clan may discover. Oh, I don't know how to do boats or how to do bows and arrows, which will help you later in the game. Or you might find an area that's beautiful that is giving you the ability to establish a new settlement as you move your meeple around the board. So all that comes down to you move your meeple, you flip a tile, you expose something, 
and you, you either gather some food or you hunt some food, uh, hunt some animals or you find a fire. That's what you're doing on your turn. Yep. That's it. That's what you're doing. Yep. And after, yep. and after so many settlements are in one, one part of the land, you can move on and desecrate the other side of the world. That's what you can do. Yep. So we're talking about settlement tokens. So you pre-populate the board by randomly putting a token in each spot on the board. Like you said, you're going to flip it. And part of the clock of the game is finding these hut tokens, which establishes an area uh, to be able to build, build huts on, which is one way to get victory points. Mm-hmm. For every hut you have on the map at the end of the game, you get one victory point, right? So that's one thing you're trying to do. However, uh, the more huts that are there, the more expensive it's going to be, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's going to cost you more food. The first hut's free. Uh, the next hut will cost one food. Next hut will cost two food, et cetera. So if there's already a lot of people there, it's going to be hard to do it. But you may want to because if you have majority... In an area, you also get points, right? You get a point. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what you're doing. Yeah. It's all about getting those victory points. It's one of those games, I think, it's a it's a great introductory. It's a great introductory. So let's just go ahead and set the stage here. Yeah. Uh, four ex- very experienced hardcore gamers played this game. And I'm just going to come out of the game. I didn't like this game. I just, I just did not like it. And that's me personally. Those tokens that are on the board are random. For And you have, at the beginning of the game, you're given scoring goals. I'm going to give an example of how the randomness I just didn't care for. My scoring goal was I got a point for every time I had the majority of huts in a, an area beside a forest. Okay? Forest is a random token. The hut spaces are random. So it had to work out to where randomly a forest and a hut were beside each other for me even have the opportunity to get my in-game scoring bonus. And, but we all had that. Mine was you had to have a hut next to a port. Yes, but that didn't take two random tiles to do it because the ports were established. True. You just hoped that one of those tiles, mine took two tile flips of randomness in order for mine to trigger. And maybe they had it balanced out, but maybe I set it up so all the hut tiles were next to ports when I set up the game. No, you didn't. It was blind. You didn't know that. I know I didn't know that. Which randomly put them all down. So that bothered me. Or, or Tony, I'm just hunting for, okay, you talked about <laughs> bags. You talked about bags. So you, you flip over. What's so funny? It's just, I just, that was the best part of the whole game. Marty went Marty went on a hunt and none of his animals had right, leather. Let's, let's talk about ba- Shut up, I'm talking. <laughs> so everybody starts with two bags. What's the purpose of a bag? A bag is to hold food. And food is needed to build your huts. Correct. Which is the way to generate victory points. Okay. All right. One of the ways. How do you get bags? One way is to you find a forest spot. There'll be three random tokens put on that spot. The first person who found the forest gets to pick one of those to keep. All right. Next time they're at a fire, they can cook any of those tokens they found that can either produce food or bags. The token tells you whether it's going to produce food or a bag. Every time I went to a forest location, none of the tokens had the thing to make a bag. So I was always limited at only having two food at any time. Until over halfway through the game. Now, I remember what I said when I said that, oh, by the way, if there's already two huts there, it's going to cost you three food to put an extra hut. That means I couldn't go to so many places and put out my hut, which is what generated victory points. 
That frustrated me. So not only were the tokens random to find what I need, there was also the random tokens in the forest to provide the bags that I needed to hold the food. Yes, 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 and yes. So I'll put a different spin on it. It almost was like a racing game with our little meeples to get to a certain spot. You had to race to the forest. And I raced to the forest, and you're right. I picked up the three, and there were three. Two of them gave me food, and one of them gave me a bag with some food. Shoot, yeah, and I'm picking that one up. I can't help it you didn't get to the forest quick enough. That's not my problem. No, 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 no. Number one, I got a tech right off the, the bat that let me move extra space. I can move further from any of you. I just happened to randomly pick the space that wasn't a forest when I flipped the tile over and you happened to randomly pick the space that did. Why did you not see the forest? It was right there in front of you. It was face down. Well, your guy was roaming the earth. He, well, he was oh. he was moving so fast, he just blew right past the forest. All right, so forget that. All right, what's the other tokens that you can find? You can also find types of like mushrooms and stuff. And what you do with those is you can put those on slots on the board. And when you collect your like second mushroom or second of the mm. same type of item, it gives you a tech. There's like a little, uh, some cards at the bottom that you can draft. Tony, you mentioned one was like hunting and stuff like that. Like maybe it lets you move an extra space, collect extra food when you left a hut area or went back to somewhere. um, Yeah. Somewhere. So these little tech trees uh, that you could get, that you could collect uh, as you found these random tokens on the board that you put on your own board. And then once you collected three of them, you clear those and start over again in order to collect more of these. Now, what was I thought was kind of cool was those tech cards that you get will also hold your in-game victory points. So there was another card that you could also take, but when you do that, you have to put it on one of your existing tech cards and it covered the ability of mm-hmm. it. So you lost that ability, but then it was holding some in-game victory points for you. Yeah, so as you were collecting the nuts, the berries... Um, the shrooms, whatever you needed, you had to have a choice. Do I want that invention or do I want the victory points? So that was the hard decision you had to make. So that was kind of how you differentiated it. You got some tech and kind of differentiated yourself uh, from the others. I I don't know, man. It, uh, I don't know. You're, You're probably higher on this game than I am. And again, this is my own personal opinion, but this was just not the game for me. It's just too light. It's too light and too random. It is. It is very light. I, when I when I play games like this, I think, okay, this is a good one to step down from. You know, how do I bring it to those who may not be into the hardcore? How yeah. how would I teach them to understand to make these strategic decisions of when to fish and cut bait? Uh, what what's the expression? Is it fish and cut bait? Cut baiting fish? No. If you cut bait, you can't fish. Well, if you fish, fish or cut, it's or not and it's fish okay. <laughs> or cut bait. Cause, cut bait. Yeah, because because yeah. yeah, if you cut bait, you can't fish. There's no that's true. There's nothing that's you can true. do about that. So you know, get rid of those various shrooms because you can't find any, but you got nuts. So maybe you should be looking at it from that. Or how about doing the majority, understanding the majority, and and developing the fruit, uh, the various food options for you, so that you can have those on your card. I do think that the experience you had would definitely be something that could sour a person on this game. Because you're right. Everywhere Mark went when we were playing this, he found the stashes that had the bags. He was he was loaded with bags, and he started the game with a card that gave him two extra bags. Right. He had just, the beginning. That was, of it. that was random. Mm-hmm. That was just a random thing everybody got at the beginning of the game. Right. The, yeah. the, the invention. You had a sled, like you said. And I, I, oh, yeah. I, I was able to gather more fruit. 
Yeah, and then Bert was able to uh, travel between ports. Yes, not that there were ports. There were just you had a boat. So basically, he had a boat. Yeah, he he had enough leather to make a boat, a canoe, or he maybe hollowed out a canoe. Okay, you ain't got to try to make it thematic. It doesn't matter. All right, look, here's the thing, y'all. <laughs> Who I don't ever like leaving a game with saying, "Well, this game is is not good." Who is this game for? This game is for. I guess I'm trying to think, would my parents be able to play it? I don't know if it's light enough for my parents to understand the problem. It's age 10, 10 plus. No, I, I'm, that's what not, not what I mean. I know I, what you I mean. Think, yeah. I, I don't even know if this would be a good entry level game for somebody who doesn't play games. Maybe it would. I, I don't know. There's a lot of little things going on. It's like, uh, is it when you find a hut, you have to go back to a campsite? Uh, yeah. Whenever you, whenever you build a hut, you have to go back to the fire. Yeah, in the same area. Mm-hmm. So there's little things like that you got to remember. It's not Ticket to Ride entry level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit more than that. I, I agree. There's more going on. So that's one thing I was discussing with Donna. Where is the strategy in this game? Is there strategy? Serious discussion. Where is the strategy? Because I kept saying that that night. I don't understand where the strategy is. I'm randomly walking to a place, flipping a tile, and just hoping it's something that's beneficial to me. Right. The only strategy is around the gathering. When do I get rid of certain things or pick them up and and go and hopefully find some more? But you're right. There's not a lot of strategy here. And you can flip over a tile like the gathering. Let's say you don't want to pick up a shroom because you don't need it. You could just collect the food instead. But what got me stuck, y'all, I only had two bags. And I could had no space to put any more food. <laughs> And I couldn't build the huts. Do you see the problem? <laughs> oh, I am going to try this again uh, with some people who lighter. See what they think of it. Okay. See how this. See if they feel the same way from the strategy. I agree with you a hundred percent. If the randomness is going to make it hard for you to get your in-game victory points, and it is, that's a problem. If no huts had shown up next to the ports, I would yep. have never been able to manage that. If none of the huts showed up against the lakes, Mark couldn't have done his. Right. The rule book was six pages. Did I screw something up? You always question, what did I screw up when something doesn't hit? Things I think that are interesting. I do like the kind of built-in clock. I like yes. the fact that once you find an X number of huts... You can explore the area adjacent to you. I like the fact that once enough huts are found, uh, that's the clock of the game, and that triggers the end game. I think that's very clever. I think the getting additional tech uh, to make yourself differentiate yourself from others by as you collecting shrooms, berries, nuts, etc. I think that was clever. My issue was the randomness of the face down down tiles where one of the major ways to score was getting huts that required food which, and you needed a place to store the food. Yes. And along with that was getting your second person that allowed you to be moving two people was also a timing mechanism to help speed up the game. Which I liked also. Yeah, once a certain number of huts were found, everybody got an extra worker to move on the board. Right. So Fire and Stone, Patience Spill, watch some of the how-to play videos. Draw your own conclusions. Decide if it's something that maybe your family would enjoy. But for us, I'm looking at it as a very light game that I would bring people into who may not play a lot of games, who may just enjoy the art of discovery. And that's about as deep as they need to go. So for you, Marty, 
we'll never play this again in our game group. Okay. Right? No, no. I don't think any I don't think anybody at our table will request to play that game again. No, they will not. It's not deep enough. So Tony, uh Nintendo had their uh what they call a mini direct, which I'm not sure why it was mini. It was 25 minutes long, but I guess they wanted to let you know, hey, there's gonna be no first party Nintendo games mentioned in here. There was some interesting stuff in there. There wasn't well. A few things. There was a new game coming out from Square Enix I thought was interesting that kind of looks like a mix of Stardew Valley and the JRPG where you farm some stuff and you go out and combat. So I'll, I'll be interested in that Harvest Harvest, Harvest Valir. I can't remember what the name of it was, but that was very interesting. But I, I bring this up because one of the things that was released was Valve is releasing Portal 1 and Portal 2 uh, to the Switch. Now, this game is obviously you know, over 10 years old. Portal 1 and Portal 2 were extremely popular. I played through both of those. And I immediately reached out to you and said, Tony, it'd be fun if you got this and you said you had never played Portal 2 and to be able to play co-op and go through the game on a stream. Uh, but you had no interest in that. I had none. I played Portal 1. I got stuck in a room and I just put it down and I said, I'm done with this. I do not need to experience, you know me, I don't like jumping platform type games. And that's what this one is. You're, you're falling through a bunch of freaking holes trying to hit a platform. I can't, <laughs> I can't argue because that's what it is. Exactly what it experience. is. I just wish that you would, uh, Portal 2 is so iconic in its story and voice acting that it's so memorable. I mean, the quotes that come from that game, which I've used on this show, that's why I wish you would experience it. And it's such a fun co-op game. I'm sure it is. But my frustration level, I mean, if Elden Ring would, I'd, I'd rage quit this. I can see, because there was this one level in Portal 1. I don't, you had to fall through a hole, push forward as you went forward to be able to land on something. And then you had to fire the gun again so that you can, I was like, there is no freaking way I'm going to accomplish this. None. Delete. Off the computer, it went. No, you're right. Some of those did require, as you're in motion, to be able to shoot the portal to get to your next move. <laughs> in order to, It was like one continue. There wasn't move, stop, move, stop. It was move, and you had to do six things after this in order to succeed. No, I get that. Mm -hmm. It was frustrating. But again, I got to play with our buddy, Ed. I remember... Uh, was one of our old gaming buddies that we used to play with. He was really into it. And he and I played through the entire Portal 2 experience together co-op. And it was just so good. And we were just laughing so much at Cave Johnson, one of the characters in the game. And uh, co-op was really interesting because we, we were talking on voice. Because you had to have voice chat to coordinate and discuss who was going to do what. Just a solid, solid team building game. But okay, if you're not interested and you're not interested, I totally get that. It's $20 on Steam, which I thought was a good deal until you... I mean, sorry. It's $20 on the eShop for the Switch, which you think is a good deal until you go look at Steam and it's two bucks a piece. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not really that good of a deal. And I was going to say, I've got Portal on my Steam library right now. I could download it anytime I want. Yeah, but it's one of those things that'd be fun on a portable device. Of course, you can get the Steam Deck and I guess you could play it on there, I bet. Yeah, but we need to talk about that sometime. I need to research that up a little bit. We do need to talk about that because there are a lot of people that are saying that it may not be long before the Steam Deck replaces their Switch. Wow, really? Yeah, because there's so many games now that are becoming or works well on the Steam Deck 
that games like Portal and stuff, now you can play wouldn't pile on the go. I wouldn't play that. I wouldn't play that either. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of games that you already have in your Steam library that you could just pick up the Switch and just start playing on it. Yeah. I mean, not the Switch. Wow, the Steam Deck. I mean, yeah, I could see where, you know, I've got Torchlight, you know, um, mm-hmm. Magicka. I forgot about it. I had Magicka. Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Company of Heroes, Borderlands 2, you know, Bioshock. I'm sitting here looking at all these things I have. I'm like, how in the world... This is sad. How many games I've got over on Steam? And yet I've already talked about putting another one over here. Oh, Neverwinter Nights 2 Platinum, which I have on Steam and now I also have on my Switch. I do, I do too. And guess how many times I've started it? Never? Never? <laughs> Neverwinter Nights 2. Yeah, that was a great game. I'm getting it on the Switch. I've never even downloaded it. We t- Everybody talks about their um, shelf of shame of board games they haven't played. Played. My stream games of shame is a lot bigger than my shelf of shame. Yeah. So, I mean, I have played um, Neverwinter Nights when it came out. And we used to actually get together and play at night. And it was fun. It was fun. Uh, I mean, Company of... I didn't even know I had Company of Heroes 2. What the heck? Mm -hmm. You and I have played Defensive Grid. I was like, good gosh. Yep. So, a a lot of games. But no, go play your portal. I'm sorry I'm not there for you, man. You're not going to get in my wallet on that one. Nope. Not going to happen. Oh, well, I tried. I know. And I, I appreciate you trying. So with that, I'm going to say, keep rolling dice. I'm not even going to try to transition. I'm done. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he's, he's had his swamp juice and he's good for the night. So we're just going to keep taking names. y'all thanks for listening don't forget if you want to go to the strike tournament at gen con you can head over to buymeamoonpie.com for details also if you're at gen con we'll be at the ultra pro booth on saturday from 10 a.m to 1 p.m come by say hi play some games and we hope to see you next episode well uh tony the past couple episodes we haven't tried anything gross or disgusting and taste buds do you think in order to keep people excited we need to go back to trying the nasty stuff again no (laughs) it's not worth it it is not worth it